Hey everybody, it's Kyla. Welcome to my channel where we talk about the stock market and the economy amongst other things. Today I want to talk about work and why we're not finding meaning in work like we used to. So I'm going to go in kind of a roundabout way to get there, but I promise we'll get there. So I've been having some, some nightmares recently, nightmares that shake me awake and when they happen, I'm doing anything I can to ground myself to reality and trying to get away from these fragments of fear that are piercing the inside of my skull. The dreams can be anything from death to stabbings to more death. It's usually my dog Moo getting hurt, but it's always me, right? Like helpless and still and unable to do anything to protect my dog. And it's made it really hard to sleep. Relatedly, I was in this yoga class the other day where there was a 23 year old software engineer talking to the yoga instructor about how much they hated their job. They were like, I'm not gonna do this for the rest of my life. They then talked about how hard it was to work for survival uh, and how that really made them not love the work that they were doing because they had to make money. They'd much rather work with animals and children. And I was thinking about that all throughout class where you know there's so many things about that conversation that shocked me number one like 2030 being the first age life to work for for survival was like wow people are really living different lives out here but their disillusionment with work was a big one you know i just kept on thinking about it. like this person hates their job they'd rather be working with children and animals but instead they're presumably doing some sort of eyeball monetization model for some tech company somewhere. And they'd been told a story about work, building some set expectations, and they were grappling with their own nightmare that this story was no longer reality. When we get into the art of storytelling, there's something called the ritual banality avoidance in storytelling. It's the idea that when you're writing a story, you don't allow yourself to take the easy route. You don't kill off a character without purpose or make two random people fall in love. As George Saunders writes, if we deny ourselves to craft a version of a story, a better version, we will aspiration assume will present itself. Storytelling is the art of creating expectations and um, storytelling is the art of creating expectations and then honoring those expectations created. It's valuing the reader, giving them space to ask questions and then following a pattern. So this set of evolving expectations. So going back to nightmares and unhappy software engineers, both of these are functions of storytelling and mismatched expectations. For me, my brain makes up a story about what life is not like but thinks it is and these are expectations and it crossed that reality during my sleep. The software engineer's brain made up the story about what software engineering would be like, expectations, and now that brain is reckoning with reality. Eric Baker wrote the incredible piece, The Age of Crisis and Work, exploring this pattern mismatch that workers are experiencing in mass right now. He writes, within work, there's an inchoate sense of delusionment. Tendrils of dissatisfaction are solidifying. Talk of a crisis of work suggests that many people today understand work itself, I think accurately, as a governing institution in its own right, analogous in some ways to the state. Work functions as a nation within a nation, an imagined community, and Benedict Anderson's famous definition. Its moral health is of obscure but paramount significance. He compares work to benign tumors, something that exists but isn't a crisis within itself. Work has evolved around unnecessary provisions, so the age of surplus created the jobs of excess. The only way to stay ahead is to produce, 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 but that's being increasingly weird, right? When people sat back after the 2016 election and during the pandemic, too many truths began to break the pattern of the story that we had told ourselves in this age of industrial maturity about the work that we do. Once the mascot of American entrepreneurship, the entire tech industry is now in disgrace. The outright frauds, Theranos, Juicero, etc. occasionally seem preferable to the many companies that are actually disrupting things. Elon Musk exploding self-driving cars battle with the metaverse for the status of punchline du jour. Hopes that it might break down social barriers and topple regressive regimes having evaporated. The online content factory serves primarily as a vehicle for people to post screenshots of TV shows that increasingly appear to be written for exactly that purpose. Which is sad. 
The stories of the industries that we used to revere are breaking apart. Things that were good are kind of evil, so Facebook, social media, etc. And a lot of heroes have become villains. And in that process, many came to the weird realization, especially in the rather work-focused USA, that their work might not be the key to self-actualization. And for some people, it is, right? The, but the vast majority of people, it might not be. And that's where things get sort of weird, where the pattern gets messed up in our work story. The work isn't what we thought it would be. And um, this isn't a moral call on how people should perceive work. Eric makes the point in the piece that some work is just drudgery for money. I was speaking to another friend and he said that he doesn't think of work as having any meaning at all. Not net anything, it just is what it is. And this gets into mythology and meaning. So the idea that nothing matters and structurally is whatever is essentialism. Roland Barthes spent a lot of time on this idea, particularly in media. His whole idea was that the stories that we tell ourselves across all aspects, every single thing that we consume is a larger mythology that weaves the fabric of society and keeps us hanging on by a thread. Barthes wrote the essay, The World of Wrestling, where he explores how he thinks about spectacles like WWE, which functions much more as theater than wrestling. But the wrestling has a meaning, right? A storyline about morality and the good guy versus the bad guy. Law and order and justice are still here, WWE tells us. The bad guy loses in the end, as Barth's right, but here again, only the image is involved in the game, and the spectator does not wish for the actual suffering of the contestant. He only enjoys the perfection of an iconography. It is not true that wrestling is a sadistic spectacle. It is only an intelligible spectacle. It's a story, right? The expectation is that the bad guy gets it, and in the end, in WWE, they always do. It's a mythology, one that pervades all aspects of our lives, but it's not always true. Um, Fox and Dominion are good examples of storytelling. Dominion sued Fox News for spreading lies about their voting machines. The two settled for $787.5 million, which is a lot. And Fox said, whoops, we did. We did lie on TV. We did lie. We lied. And are they going to say that on live air, though? The question now is that. <laughs> um, but as David Graham writes in The Atlantic, Fox has constructed a massive, nearly addicted viewership and persuaded it to adopt a particular political worldview. The viewers hold the real power and Fox is at their mercy. If even upstarts like OANN and Newsmax with low production values, amateurish personalities, and shoddy content could threaten Fox hold on its audience, then the channel remains vulnerable to the challenges from further to the right. That scares executives far more than any fancy defamation lawyers ever can, and the lengths that they might go to avoid losing their viewers should scare everyone else. For a long time, Fox has told viewers a story, a mythology, and viewers are following the logical pattern of wherever that story leads them. Defamation suits are nothing, it's a tax, as Derek Thompson says. It's a slap on the wrist. How could you ever price out shaping the ideology of an enraged public? So some final thoughts, everything is a story. <laughs> the revelation, this is not new or exciting or anything like that. It's no secret that humans like stories. We've been telling the same sorts of fairy tales for 6,000 years. But there's a mismatch in our storytelling right now. The mythology is getting weird, to say the least. There are three things that I'm going to try to get, tie together here. The debt ceiling is a useless story. Can't stand it. Political football gets punted at the expense of the American public. Terrible storytelling. I get budget priorities. I get managing spending. But hanging the entire government in a delicate balance, as most, most Americans want a clean debt ceiling increase, shows that there is not much governing going on, right? Like, they are hired to serve constituents, and they're not doing that by using the debt ceiling as a political football. The climate, so number two, the climate is very important to tell good stories about. It's very easy to fall into doomerism with the climate. Um, 
Bill McKibben wrote a really great piece on what we need to get done to make sure Earth is okay. We need mythology around climate, something that many are working on, but I thought this line was exceptional. Some NIMBY passion will need to be replaced by YIMBY enthusiasm, or at least some acquiescence. I don't know how to say any words. Finally, we need to make room for our mythologies to change. This is a kind of interesting thing to watch as we now talk about inflation. A lot of people are like, wow, maybe companies have been riffing everybody off. And if you come into the comments and you say, well, why haven't companies been increasing prices this whole time? Go read Isabella Weber's research, please. And also the corporations are not going to come give you a big hug for defending them, so, so don't. They're taking advantage of you. All they care about is margins. That's all that corporations care about. They're a corporation. Bloomberg writes, companies should be challenged to justify hikes and consumers should not be afraid to complain when not satisfied. Shifting the blame of inflation to companies rather than workers getting wage increases is a good pattern for the story to follow. So going back to nightmares and yoga classes, it's all about aligning expectations to reality, but in the meantime, telling stories that are inspiring. For me and my nightmares, it's going to be about redefining fears and facing a lot of the fears that I've not faced. And for our software engineer, it's gonna be about realigning expectations of what the world is like. Martin Gurry wrote about this, finding an inspiration and meaning and integrity and adventure in our lives beyond work. It's about being mindful of the mythology placed before us like Fox News does. It's about leaving space to define our own mythology, a software engineer who works on an app for kids and animals, maybe. Stories are what make us human, and we have the opportunity to rewrite them. Thanks so much for hanging out. Thanks so much for spending time with me. Have some links in the newsletter. Sorry about the moving around with the video, trying to figure out lighting, trying to figure out filming setup. I'll get it sorted soon. But yeah, hope you all are doing okay out there. Talk to you very, very soon.